Welcome to Hebrews chapter 13, the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, day one, and our look at the uh, last week on our book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at verses one to four today, and in fact, I'd like to start by reading those verses. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who were mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Here we have in chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews talking about the practical ways you and I are to live as followers of Jesus. Now, some people have actually thought, well, maybe this doesn't belong in the book of Hebrews. There's been discussion about that in church history, because all of a sudden he begins to talk about the practical. But of course it belongs. The theological always leads to the practical in our lives. What we're reading this week in Hebrews 13 grows out of everything else in Hebrews. These directions for life grow out of everything else we've been told. This is not just a few applications tacked on at the end. These are the life-altering actions that grow out of the truth throughout Hebrews. Because Jesus is better, because Jesus is your high priest, because Jesus sits at God's right hand, this is how you should live. And we're going to look at these next few days at a list, just a simple list of the ways you and I are to live as followers of Jesus. And the challenge in these verses is not so much explaining them. They're pretty easy to understand. It's doing them. It's where and how and who Should I act? In what ways should I act so that I am following Jesus Christ? In what areas? Well, chapter 13, verse 1 is the first one of them. First of all, you love each other. Love each other as family. That's what it means to know that Jesus is on his throne. That's what it means to know that I'm following Jesus. You love each other as family. The church is a family. And our love for the world shows the world around us what Jesus' love is like. That's how important it is. So we love each other out of the ways that Jesus loves us. Because Jesus gave himself for us, we're to give ourselves for one another. Anything less is less than the kind of love that Jesus wants in our lives. Because Jesus forgave us, we're to forgive one another. Because, and you can go on and on and on, because Jesus puts up with us and our sins and our struggles and our frailties, we're to put up with each other. Because Jesus is present with us, we're to be present for one another. This idea somehow that Jesus takes care of all the needs and we don't have anything to do with each other's needs is totally foreign to the New Testament. We're to love each other as family. Now that's easy to understand, but now it's the practice of doing it. How do I do it? How do I love people that I struggle with? How do I love people that I'm having a hard time with? Who do you need to love today? Who do you need to pray for today? Who do you need to serve today? Who do you need to be with today? As family. Love each other as family. That's the first action. Second action is this. Show hospitality to strangers. So we don't just treat believers in a good way. We also show hospitality to strangers. Now in their day, talks about entertaining strangers here. In their day, uh, it was often, often a habit to invite strangers into your home and give them a place to stay and a meal. And then when you went to another town, people would do that for you. They didn't have the system of hotels and motels and things like that that we have. In their day, there was this example of by entertaining a stranger, you might entertain an angel. In their day, they would remember back to the days of Abraham where he, when he'd welcomed those three men, those three strangers, you might remember in the book of Genesis, and found that they were angels. They were there representing God. You never know. You never know who you're serving. 
Now, how about in our day? What does it mean? Well, it, it's a good thing to take people in if you can, or to give people a meal if you can. But let's just start here. You want to be, you want to be hospitable to strangers? Just be nice to people. Be nice to the strangers that you meet as you walk through your day. The people that are around you on the freeway as you're driving. Be nice to them. That's being hospitable. The people that serve you in a store or serve you in a restaurant. Be nice to them. Smile at them. Don't look at them as somebody who's just there to meet your needs. You're there to meet their needs. You're a light of the world. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. It may sound very small, but it's, it's incredibly powerful how much you can change the culture around you and how much you can change a person's day just by being nice to them. Start there. Show hospitality to strangers. Love each other as family. A third thing we're told to do in these verses we just read is to remember. Remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are being mistreated. Remember those who are easy to forget. They're going through things that you're not going through. They're not right in front of you and so you forget about them. Now, we're to care for all who are in prison, but these verses take the particular tone of those who are suffering persecution for their faith in prison, being mistreated for their faith because they're followers of Jesus. And for many of us in this world, those are easy people to forget because we live in countries where we're not facing that kind of persecution. Now, you may say, I'm facing a major persecution, but it's not the kind that's faced in some countries of the world where their lives are threatened where they are thrown in prison regularly and kept in prison for long periods of time. And I would say for myself, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. And the Bible tells us here, remember those believers around the world who are suffering for their faith right now, who are in prison for their faith right now. Pray for them. Reach out to them. Do everything you can for them. That's one of the things we're to do because we're followers of Jesus, because of who Jesus is. And then we are to, the Bible says in verse 4, honor marriage. Word of honor marriage. The word honor here means to value it. So how do you value marriage? Whether you're married or not, you can value marriage. These verses are reminding us that one of the things we do as followers of Jesus is we honor marriage. Because when you honor marriage, you honor God. Marriage is God's idea. It does us great good as individuals. It even does our society great good when we honor marriage. Why is marriage held in such high honor? Because God highly honors marriage. Because God values marriage. Now, there is lots of arguing about marriage in our society today. I deeply believe that believers should stand for what is right when it comes to a man and a woman being married, even as God said in the book of Genesis and Jesus affirmed in the Sermon on the Mount. But I also deeply believe that the beginning point of any discussion, any argument about marriage, has to be us valuing our own marriages, us valuing the marriages that are all around us. That's where the strength is built. It's not built in our words. The strength is built in our example, what we value. So value marriage like God does. Now, why does God value marriage, by the way? Let me just give you four quick reasons in the Bible. You might just remember these in your mind. This is why we should honor marriage, because God values marriage. How does, how does marriage value who God is? Well, number one, marriage values God's creation. The Bible says that in creation, God made man and he made woman, and he said they're going to be married to each other. They're going to, man and woman, they're going to represent something wonderful that I want to do. The two shall become one. Now, in that valuing of God's creation is also our sexuality. I like what George Guthrie said about this in his commentary on Hebrews. He said, our sexuality is a power both beautifully dynamic, 
and horrifically damaging in its relational potential. And that's true both in relationship to people and to God. That's the truth. Because our sexuality is so powerful. There's a beauty in it, but there's also a potential horror in it. Marriage values God's creation, the beauty in what God has done. And in that, it also values a second thing. It values our differences. It values our differences as men and women. God has made us to be so very different. Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed that, you're not looking. I'm not just talking about physically different. We think differently. We talk differently. Now, I'm not saying every man and every woman is just as different as every, every other man and every woman. I know there are differences between us, but there are differences between the genders that start from birth in even the way that we're wired in our brains and that continue into the realities of the way that we live this life. And the Bible says that God made man and woman in his image, in his image. It doesn't say he made man in his image or just woman in his image, man and woman. That tells me that it takes both men and women to represent fully who God's image is in this world. Now, I'm not saying that God is not represented very clearly to us and told to us to be a father. So we have a male image of God in that. But to take that to mean that somehow women don't also fill in what it means for the image of God to be happening is to miss what the book of Genesis is all about. We don't have enough time to go into this, but just remember, marriage values our differences. It values God's creation. Marriage values our children. By becoming married, committing our lives to one another, we're valuing those children that we're raising in that marriage. And then there's a fourth thing that marriage values. It values, the book of Ephesians tells us, Jesus' love. Ephesians tells us that marriage is a picture of the love that Jesus has for the church. There's a great mystery in this, Paul says in Ephesians. It's, it's this picture of the love that Jesus has for the church. So in our marriage, we are somehow picturing the love of Christ for his body. And that is a mystery to me, but it's a wonderful mystery. Uh, and that's just a quick look at some reasons that you and I should honor marriage. The Bible says, stay away from sexual immorality. It's going to ruin your life value marriage. That's God's plan. Now, God's plan is not to ruin your life. From the very beginning, marriage was put into place because God saw that Adam was lonely. And God had a plan to fulfill that loneliness. Even in perfect relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, Adam was lonely. He needed something else. And Eve, if she had been there alone, would have been lonely. She would have needed something else. God has made us to need each other. God has made us to live in this loving relationship with each other. So as we pray today, I want to pray about all of these things we've talked about, these specific actions that you and I can take, because we know that Jesus is on his throne. We know that we want to follow him. Would you pray with me? Our Father, help us to love the brothers and sisters that are around us. Give us the strength today to be kind to the strangers that we meet. Lord, give into our hearts a remembrance of those who are suffering in prison and especially those who are suffering because of persecution for their faith. And Lord, help us to honor marriage, something you've made, your idea for your glory. Lord, help us to think like you think. And as we think like you think, our prayer is that we would do what you would do in certain circumstances. We'd have the kind of word, we'd have the kind of smile, we'd have the kind of action, we'd have the kind of prayer that represents who you are in that situation. We ask for this, something we could never do on our own, we ask for this to happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow we're going to talk together about the power of contentment. <music>